Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by. Well, it's not really sponsored by anything today. Really, what this episode is going to be about is focusing on the Black Lives Matter movement and how it relates to the San Francisco 49ers and the NFL. Uh, as we've talked about in the past, the Gold Cast has always strived to be apolitical. This is a show that really likes to focus more on the brighter side of sports. We like to focus on solely, really, sports. And, you know, with our top 11 branching out into pop culture and into uh, film and television and our other interests. But really, we at our base try to stay as an entertainment podcast. But with the Black Lives Matter movement, has been so big and uh, rightfully so that the moment just got too big for us and it, it we got to a place where it was time to address it. And so we let last week go by. We actually recorded a Top 11 podcast as we were uh, watching the news unfold throughout the past week and a half and um, decided to postpone that. We'll be releasing that later on in the week. And uh, with all of the uh, with all the responses coming out of the NFL from a lot of different directions and um, a lot of good for the most part, um, we decided now was the time to bring the gold cast back and address what has been said and uh, what all of the what all the different twists and turns that have occurred in the past week and a half during the Black Lives Matter, a very pivotal movement that we are greatly, greatly in support of. So this is uh, this is the gold cast stepping into the ring and uh, having a discussion about it. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can always find us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, and Spotify under the same moniker of the goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment. By the way, if you're on if you aren't on Spotify, the entire catalog from the five years that we've been doing this is all there. Uh, a whole backlog of episodes. All um, two million and five episodes. That's correct. That we did in the span of five years. <laughs> so it's all there. Like, subscribe, and comment because we love to hear from you. And uh, we certainly want to get your take on all of the um, very poignant and very um, appropriate and very necessary news that came out of the sports world today. Namely, one of our favorites being the NFL. Absolutely. Now, Raymond, where can they find you to speak to you directly? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ray Solis on Instagram. That's R-A-Y-S-O-L-I-S. And on Instagram at Ray Solis one. That's the number one. Awesome. And then what about you, Candlestick Will? Where can they find you? Easiest way is Twitter at Candlestick Will. Awesome. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. I am Rudy third. I am Rudy three R D. All right, here we go. Uh, big, big episode on the way right here. We missed you guys. We're glad to be back. And uh, I personally am glad that it's about such a topical conversation that needs to be had. So I think this is actually a really good um, change of pace for the gold cast. Here we go. The greatest intro is about to drop right now. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. 
Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our esteemed co-host, Candle Stick Will. You know, this is almost like... It's almost become like a John Cena, The Rock. Like, you know, you get the, is, the, uh, the... I was just thinking the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. that is a bear, that's, a, that's a wrestler thing right there. Yeah, it's like you say the name and you got the hand movement. Well, hey, you have to be memorable, right? So, you know, if I keep doing the same thing, then people will remember me for it. So it's just, you know, strategy. <laughs> you know... Eventually, what's going to happen, pe- people are going to start, when you're on the show, they're going to do that. They're going to do the whole, you you do it like straight through. I'm kind of doing it, moving it. You're doing like this straight all hands through. I like it. It's gonna be, I hope one day they go, candlestick will, and then everyone goes. <laughs> <laughs> people are talking about it. There you go. All right. So let's get into this. Let's talk a little bit about where the NFL and the Black Lives Matter movement have been. Uh, we're not going to go into too much detail about Black Lives Matter. I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, this is uh, pretty straightforward. Obviously, we have protests around the country um, in opposition uh, against police brutality, in particular when it comes to their handling of African-American men and women and the consistent uh, murders and blunt force that you've been using for literally years and years and years. And I think this takes uh, a different light when you're a San Francisco 49er fan and we sat and watched Colin Kaepernick be one of the first players to to be the first player to step out and actively protest on the field for, for Black Lives Matter. And now here we are four years later and this movement has reached you know epidemic proportions i mean there's literally protests happening around the world in support of this thing and it's it's gotten to a place where it can no longer be denied and it's also kind of revealed revealed some people you know drew Brees came under fire for mentioning that he disagreed with uh any protest that was that was uh against that was happening during the national anthem and he saw that as anti-American and being against the flag. And I'm paraphrasing. That's not the exact wording that he said. Um, but he came under fire not only from his players on his team, even from uh, his own city. They were literally in the protest chanting uh, F. Drew Brees during the protest. And so it, it has really reached uh, pretty far. And I really want to start, guys, first with Kyle Shanahan and everything Kyle Shanahan said because I thought Kyle Shanahan had some great words. He had a press conference uh, conference earlier in the week and Kyle Shanahan uh, came out in support of Black Lives Matter. He had mentioned that there were conversations happening in the building. Richard Sherman's been pretty vocal on social media about Black Lives Matter. I mean, he's pretty vocal about everything. And uh, he made no, uh, you know, he was very consistent with that as well here. And uh, Raymond, I wanted to get your take on Kyle Shanahan's press conference and everything that he had mentioned in support of Black Lives Matter. I think that one of the biggest takeaways I got was them Asking, he was asked by a reporter uh, how he would feel if any of the players protested again this season during the during the 49ers um, next campaign. And he said he had absolutely no issue with it. And then mentioned the fact that 
uh, Colin Kaepernick was allowed to peacefully protest um, during his tenure on there. He didn't say Cap's name, but he was like, he, he kind of said it without saying, he was like, dating all the way back to 2016, we've allowed the players to voice their opinions and protest in whatever, any, any way, shape, or form that they feel fit. And so I wanted to see what your thoughts were on how Kyle Shanahan handled those questions during his press conference. I thought he was completely honest, which is what he's been since he became the head coach of the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan doesn't pull punches uh, outside of not revealing anything schematically to tip off the other team before a game in, in the, the press conferences leading up to the game. This was obviously a little bit more of a candid interview because it had to do with outside of football, although there was a connection to football. And I thought he was completely honest, gave his honest opinion. I listened to the whole interview. It's about 30 minutes. The, they actually got to talking actual football, maybe like the last five minutes of the interview. Other than that, the whole thing really kind of revolved around what's been happening, and rightfully so. And Kyle, I think, has been a player's coach since the very beginning. And I think, if anything, he just continues to not only maintain the respect uh, uh, that, he, that he gets from his players, but I think he's probably... If not, after if 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 you if they haven't seen that interview, you know when they do. I mean, he's going to be, in my opinion, probably the most well-respected coach in football. I didn't see any other interviews with any other coaches. I, I don't know if there were any. I just know that I pay attention to when my team has a, uh, an interview with with our coach, and I don't think it's too far out of the realm of a stretch to say that he's probably one, the most well-respected coach in the NFL just because he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't bullshit the media. You know, he, he curtails certain comments when it comes to football stuff. But as far as the social justice stuff, he was completely genuine. He was authentic. And that's all you can ask for from any man, any person uh, talking about anything like this, you know, is to be honest. You know, even if you don't completely agree with everything they say, you know, at, at least you're getting honesty out of it. And Kyle Shanahan certainly did that during this interview, and um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, even though it's obviously a tough subject matter, but I I enjoy listening to someone being completely honest and candid, and being you know just being passionate about their convictions on what they feel is morally right, especially when it aligns with my own morals. So uh, I definitely uh, I I like the interview, and I commend Kyle Shanahan. I thought that was huge. I think, you know, I feel pretty fortunate as a 49er fan to have Coach Kyle Shanahan. There was a lot of other bullets that, you know, we could have taken, but uh, we took uh, we took the Kevlar instead with Kyle Shanahan. I thought what was really interesting about Kyle Shanahan's conversation was he talked about growing up um, around African-American players his entire life as uh, as the first as a kid running around the 49er facilities, uh, then obviously through his high school, college years, and then as an adult, as a coach. And um, even though he didn't break it down that way, he simply just mentioned, you know, I've literally been around them my entire life. I've grown, around, uh, grown up around African-American players my entire life. And uh, this conversation, he talked about being around, being at events where the police showed up, and seeing seeing how players would react, his fellow fellow African American players, how they would react when the police showed up, how it'd be different. He goes, "I was with some of the toughest guys you've ever seen out there," and then a cop would show up, and we'd be in public, and you just feel this entire change in their energy. And he was discussing how he the it was palpable and very noticeable, 
And I agree with what you said about the the passion. He definitely was pretty riled up, you know, and you could tell that he was um, he didn't shy away at all from discussing the level of responsibility that white people have to make to really get this move going. And uh, I, I, I think it was really good. I thought that was actually a uh, it was a it was very refreshing, you know, when you kind of when you. Like, let's say you compare it to what Vic Fangio said, and I'm a huge fan of Vic Fangio, so this is definitely not like a bash Vic Fangio moment. But, you know, Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos, and I think they did a really good job of curtailing that and kind of, you know, moving past that. But Vic Fangio said that he didn't believe there was any systemic racism in the NFL. And Shanahan, Shanahan and his uh, his press conference, it was like the first thing he brought up. He's like, you know, uh, you know he's like, there's only... Why do we only have two head coaches? You know, how come we have only one African American GM? He's like, he's like, if you look, if you look around the NFL, you cannot pretend that there isn't there that that racism doesn't exist in some form or another. Like he, I mean, he talked about the coaches and the GMs, and he, and he did not shy away from that. And and the fact that he was uh, was um, very open about that, I thought was a huge huge step. And I think that leads me into the the next part of this, which is the the greater. NFL, and then I, I want to turn to you, Kenosikwo, and I want to hear what you think. So now we've got this leads me to a series of events that happened in the greater NFL. So June fourth, the players released a video, very short, it's like a minute, minute and a half video that's basically a montage of them speaking out in support of Black Lives Matter. They refer to themselves, and they go down a list of African Americans that have been murdered by police and they're you know you know i am i am i am and they're just saying all these different names and i want to list the players and who was behind it the players that are featured in the video and i apologize if i'm missing some i believe i got everybody but i, I might be missing one or two people but saquon barkley sterling Shepard, jamal adams patrick mahomes ezekiel elliott odell beckham jr deandre hopkins patrick peterson deshaun watson jarvis landry Chase Young, Stephon Gilmore, Tyron Matthew, and then Michael Thomas, who apparently was the actual progenitor of this video. It uh, This started when uh, a NFL social employee, as he was described, and I believe he he's works for the social media department for the NFL, Brendan Mittner, he actually reached out to Michael Thomas and uh, expressed his disappointment in how the NFL had been handling the the past week for the Black Lives Matter movement and asked if they they'd be interested if if he'd be interested in working together with them. Brandon Mittner and his team created a script. They spoke to the social media department. They spoke to their boss and said, "Hey, we've we've created this video. We've done it in conjunction with these NFL players, um, and basically kind of asked for their permission, you know, or you know, or to grant their blessing in them releasing the video." They said, "That's fine. Let's do it." And then they released it, and then that prompted. On June 5th, a uh, 60-second uh, response from Roger Goodell and on behalf of the NFL as well. And his response was, it wasn't a counter-response, obviously, but was basically him saying that the NFL comes out in support of Black Lives Matter. And they've even gone so far now in in further discussions to say that they were wrong about the, the protest taking place in 2016, that they should have listened to the NFL players closer and I know you've had some strong feelings about this candlestick will and so now I want to turn the mic to you and how do you feel about the players video and then the NFL's response via Roger Goodell afterwards well 
you know, this is the off season, so you know, this comment is in part kind of you know, they, there's nothing they can do about this to fix it from my perspective now because words are meaningless until we see action. Um, words are important and what they say matters, but if no action is taken after the words, then they're empty like the words before it because everything that Roger Goodell and Jay-Z and all these other players that tried to form this co- coalition to fix racism in the NFL hasn't done anything to fix anything. Um, you know, Ozzie Newsom stepped down. So there's, there's only one GM in the NFL who's African-American in the entire league. There's 32 Ozzie Newsom, maybe the best GM the last 15 years. You know, if not, he's on the Mount Rushmore in the last 15, 20 years. And so nobody else thinks that an African-American can do the job. Um, Eric Bieniemy, best offensive coordinator in football right now, just led the Chiefs to a, a Super Bowl, wasn't even interviewed for a head coaching position. I mean, the the fact that they literally came out, I don't know if this was leaked by someone or if, you know what they're, how close they were to really doing this, but they were going to have a, another version of the Rooney Rule where if teams hired head coaches or GMs that were African American, they could get incentives as like draft pick compensation for doing it which is one of the most despicable, disgusting things I've ever heard of. Um, and that was quickly, like, you know, s- shut down because they realized how horrible that sounded, that they'd have to actually convince teams with, you know, with draft pick compensation just to give an African-American a chance. Um, and I think that's the kind of stuff, the fact that Colin Kaepernick's still a free agent, the fact that Eric Reed's now a free agent and has no team, Michael Bennett's a free agent, has no team, Martellus Bennett's retired. He's only 33 years old. There's no reason he shouldn't still be playing football. But we, li- we live in a world where the league doesn't want people that speak out. Um, they'd rather have a Drew Brees that thinks the way he thinks and give an apology and then let him still be one of the faces of the league. So this league is still abhorrent in their behaviors, but that doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. And it's possible that some of the things that have been said in the last few weeks could lead to better results, but we won't know that yet until we actually see some progress. And the progress is in the next time there's an, there's an opening for head coaching position that someone like an Eric Bieniemy is the front runner for the job because he's the best available candidate and he happens to be African-American. But it's the fact that he wasn't even considered by a lot of teams who ended up hiring guys with a lot less background, a lot less experience, and a lot, a lot less success. That's the thing that, that boggles my mind about some of this stuff. Cam Newton is a free agent. Just how do you have one of the most successful quarterbacks in the league the last decade not have a job, but some of these horrible quarterbacks who happen to be white are constantly getting signed? You know, the Mike Glennons of the world get jobs instead of Kaepernick. You know, it's, it's, we live in a world where it's so obvious what they're doing, and yet we've accepted it as fact. Like, this is just what leagues do it's not like the nfl is the only league doing this the nba is better at it at hiring people and uh hiring african americans for for top jobs but it's still not where it should be you know major league baseball is terrible the national hockey league is just finally having african-american uh athletes in the first place so it's you know that's obviously um you know way past due 
considering how many athletes are out there that could, you know, become amazing at all these sports. And yet so many sports have been reluctant over the last century to include everyone in their pool. And you look at a sport like baseball, there's not that many African-Americans in the league anymore. And it's because they've left the game. And it's because the game stopped investing in the inner cities for those sports. So players went to football and basketball instead. And now you look at it with everything going on, it's like maybe these athletes don't choose any of these sports and they find some other path because they see that these leagues don't care about them. Um, and again, like, like I was saying from the very beginning, that might change. These words might have more meat to them now. They might realize they can't get away with the things they've said in the past and just staying empty. Um, but right now in this world, it's hard to be optimistic. And that's just a general statement, like not necessarily specific to the NFL, but it's just hard to be optimistic right now with all the ugliness in the world. So we can still try to be hopeful and try to be optimistic that this could be the turning point. But again, Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. Eric Reed still doesn't have a job. Michael Bennett still doesn't have a job. Um, you know, Cam Newton still doesn't have a job. You know, Deshaun Watson's one of the only African-American quarterbacks in the league. So it's like, you know, I mean, are we really making any progress at all? You know, at all, really. I mean, seriously. And it's, you know, uh, Howard Bryant um, is a sports writer who's constantly said, you know, one of the keys to showing progress is when African-American coaches are given second jobs. You know, white coaches that do okay in one place are obvious are oftentimes given second chances, right? But if Bill Belichick was African American, would he have even gotten that Patriots job? Because he wasn't that great in Cleveland. You know, Art Art Shell was better than uh, Bill Belichick was his first time around as a head coach. But when guys do well as a coordinator and they're white, they get more opportunities, right? And you know, Bill Belichick's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But, and it, when you look back at it, the Cleveland Browns are also a horribly run organization. So it wasn't the most shocking thing in the world. They would fire Belichick when they made the playoffs. But all that being said, he got a second chance. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll was okay in a couple of spots, went to college, got a third chance there, and then got a fourth chance in Seattle. You know, a lot of times you need that second, third chance to really become the coach that you're meant to be. You know, Tony Dungy went to multiple places. So that was that showed his progress going from Tampa Bay to, to Baltimore um, or to uh, Indianapolis. And it's like when, when you are giving guys multiple chances, that's one of the things that shows that you're willing to, to go that extra mile. NBA's shown that more. Guys like Doc Rivers and Alvin Gentry and others have gotten multiple chances to be head coaches in different places. In the NFL, it's not really that way. Guys get one shot most of the time. And so – you know, even someone like Kaepernick, no one wants to give him that other shot. No one wants to give Eric Reed another shot. I was actually shocked he even got a job with the Panthers after he left the Niners. Um, but not, right now he's a, he's a free agent, so no one else has given him that, that other shot. You know, they have no problem giving a Greg Hardy another shot, though, because that kind of stuff doesn't bother people. Right? It doesn't bother people when they do stuff like that off the field. But when they're protesting and trying to stand up for what's right in this country, somehow that's the worst thing in, in the world. So... We, we live in a very cryptic, evil you know, society that needs to finally go in the other direction. And these protests these last couple of weeks are showing that it's possible that we might be getting there. 
Um, and I'm trying to be optimistic that that's where we're going. But the history of this country shows that people in power don't like to lose power. Billionaires don't like to lose money. And they also don't like to be told what to do. So that all of that, all of that says that I'm going to try to be optimistic, but it's hard. And so we'll see how it go. We'll see what happens. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, exactly. In the in the best light. Yeah. Raymond, where do you stand on it? How do you, how do you do you uh, do you agree with candlestick? Will are you cautiously optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Or do you believe that this is possibly the turning point, and we may see some real change come from within the NFL? I'm not going to talk about the the greater society at large. Uh, let's let's keep. I'm going to keep it a little bit focused on the NFL. Do you think that this is possibly the start of a sea change for the NFL? And what does that look like for you if it is? Uh, I. Th- I'm leaning a little, I'm a little bit more, I'm less cautious and a little bit more optimistic than Candlestick Will, but I know exactly where you're coming from, Candlestick Will, because we've heard you talk about this a lot uh, uh, off air. So I understand where you're coming from. The reason why I lean a little bit more optimistic, because from my perspective, I never, when I saw the, the Roger Goodell video, regardless of the fact that it was curated and prepared and formal, you know, like all of like anybody, like any CEO or president would would be reading, you know, from from a script that's irrelevant. The fact is, he said he made several statements in that video that I'd never heard him say before, you know, for the NFL to admit that they were wrong. I thought I was actually shocked to hear that. I was like, really? It's like, when since when do you admit that you are wrong? I know. Since when do they do that? <laughs> and wrong about a really big, <laughs> really big deal the the biggest something that's going to be ingrained and embedded in american history for eternity this is going to be in history books this is now going to become a part of history generations going forward are going to learn that in their history classes that's how big this becomes this becomes cemented in american historic lore so it's now part of the historical record and for him to come out on behalf of the entire league and say that i thought was a pretty big deal now obviously i'm in agreement with candlestick will that the next thing that needs to happen is the action. You can't just say it. You got to do it. You can't just talk it. You got to walk it. So what does that happen? Does that mean Colin Kaepernick gets uh, picked up by an NFL team? Does that mean uh, Eric Reed gets picked up by an NFL team? Does that does that mean any of the other guys that were mentioned get an NFL team? I mean, Eric Bieniemy, you know, it almost seems like he was being interviewed for to fulfill the Rooney rule more than being a legitimate candidate. Um, you know, because obviously he he did do some interviews in the off season four months ago, but surprisingly he was passed up. Kyle Shanahan lost the Super Bowl, and he was the hottest prospect on the market outside of Sean McVay that year that he went. Right, right, exactly. Great point. And to put it even further, the Vikings' offensive coordinator got hired after losing in the playoffs two seasons in a row after having a 16th ranked NFL offense. I don't, I don't, I'm never really impressed with their offense. That's why I was, I wasn't. That's why I was very confident about the Niners when they went up against them. Well, yeah, Vikings, Vikings got there by their defense, so it's it, that's that's kind of funny to me. Yeah, and. And their rank, their postseason offensive ranking is dead last, and that's the guy who got hired. I forget what team uh, hired him, but he got a job. Well, and that's a, that's another thing you bring up too, because when you talk about Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay being like the hot, you know, the hot coaches, like, and and this is this is one of those things where it's like they don't come out and say it explicitly, but when you're looking for the hot young coach, it's always a white coach. 
And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we all oh, we're looking for the, the offensive genius. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure that Eric Bieniemy, under the tutelage of Andy Reid, whether he was a genius or not before he got there, I'm pretty sure at taking a master class with Andy Reid, he's pretty smart now. Like, would, however smart he was before, which I'm, he was because he wouldn't have got the job otherwise, he's a much smarter now having worked with one of the masters of the game. Literally one of the guys off the, the, the Bill Walsh, you know, Mike Holmgren type tree. It's like Andy Reid's one of the goats out there now. Him and Bill Belichick are the best coaches out there. So I'm pretty sure Eric Bieniemy's has a PhD in this. So if you're talking about young, hot coaches, he should be on that list. And yet whenever they're looking for that young, hot, you know, offensive coordinator to become the new head coach, the, uh, you know, the, the Raiders did it with John Gruden and then hilariously tried to do it again with Lane Kiffin. It's like the, the, those lists are always young white coaches in their, in their thirties and forties instead of just young coaches, period. And that's the kind of stuff that's always, um, crazy to see and usually when an african-american coach gets a job it's almost always a defensive coordinator that gets the head coaching job it's almost never an offensive coordinator because there's very rarely any african-americans that are offensive coordinators in the first place because there's also very rarely any quarterbacks that are ever african-american in the first place so it's like those are the kind of things that we don't see we don't see quarterback coaches that are african-american we don't see quarterbacks period that are african-american we don't see offensive coordinators that are african-american and that goes all the way back to people being racist about what a quarterback should look like not just what a quarterback should be and and so those are the kinds of things that are ingrained in our society that it's like oh i just want the young hot coach that can run the the offense and be a genius it's like that doesn't take anything away from what kyle shanahan's done like clearly he knows the game and knows how to strategize as good as anyone we've ever seen but that doesn't mean that eric Bieniemy and others can't also do the exact same thing and yet they're not they're never they're never viewed in that light and that's the, that's the kinds of stuff that we're talking about when we're talking about the systemic racism that's in our society and it trickles down to the NFL and other places. Yeah, you know, and to yes, Andrew, on that particular subject, right? Like I can already hear in my brain the counter argument that people would propose, right? That, well, it's because the offense, you know, it's really, it's really Andy Reid's brainchild and Andy Reid's really the engine that gets that thing going. So wasn't it? So wasn't it? So wasn't it Mike Shanahan's brainchild then, and not Kyle? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying like, you like you. That's the counter argument you'd hear, right? But then if you look at Bill Belichick's teams, you've heard that argument over and over and over again. Yet every year, his offensive defensive coordinators get picked. How many times has what's his name uh, from the, the offensive Josh McDaniels? And his and his coaching tree is one of the worst. They all suck. Like most of Bill Walsh, most of the guys from Bill Walsh were all really good and all had success to varying degrees. Even Ray Rhodes and Dennis Green, even though they didn't win chips, uh, they were consistently in the playoffs quite a bit. And Ray Rhodes was obviously defensive coordinator, but Dennis Green, he I remember the, the Vikings were constantly, I mean, they, they couldn't get past us. Because, you know, it's kind of like you come from that tree, we know we know you inside and out, the same way that Kyle Shanahan knows Matt LaFleur and why we have Green Bay's number in this era. But that was kind of the, the case here against Dennis Green in that era. He came from the Niner tree, and he couldn't get past us in the playoffs, but he was consistently in the playoffs. But, yeah, that's the, that's the point, right? It's like you look, like, let's say, because uh, that's like the kind of argument you'd hear, right? Well, Andy Reid's really the engine, and that maybe that's why he's been passed up. Well... Bill Belichick is widely regarded as the engine that makes that team run, yet all those coordinators time and time again 
our pick. He's and, not even involved with the offense uh, right now. All he does, he just he's the defensive coordinator slash head coach. And what's his name? Who I think is I think whenever he decides to leave New England, he's going to be a horrible head coach. Josh McDaniels. Yes. Yeah, and I to think. be honest, from everything I hear too, actually, and Andy Reid lets the co- the offensive and defensive coordinators do a lot of the work. He'll formulate the concept and they'll execute it. You know, think about all of the quarterbacks that he's had in his under his tenure. Um, we've never seen an offense as dynamic and explosive as this offense of Kansas City. And Eric Bieniemy was the running backs coach from 2013 to 2017. And even though those none of those guys are there. Um, Kansas City had one of the best rushing uh, offenses in the NFL during that span. And then the first year he takes over as offensive coordinator, Patrick Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns in his rookie year. Um, so, or, well, in his right. first starting well, season. And, the other, and here's the um, other thing, too, and just and, to add on to this. So I'm watching the Super Bowl, right? I wanted to support you guys. And so I'm watching the Super Bowl, and they maybe showed Eric Bieniemy on screen maybe twice. The whole game. Every time they were on offense, if they went to the sideline, they showed Andy Reid. Andy Reid wasn't saying a word to anyone the whole time because he wasn't calling the plays. Right? You, you you cut to the Niners during offense, and they always go to Shanahan. Well, Shanahan's got the, the, the play sheet in front of him. He's calling the plays. Like, that's good video. Right? He's talking to his quarterback. But when Eric Bieniemy's talking to Mahomes, they weren't showing that. They were showing Andy Reid. And so that's the kind of stuff that... It's it's seeped into our culture in all different places, and until you start paying attention and listening to what people are saying, you're not going to notice it, and you're not going to see it in the first place. You're just going to assume that that's the way it's supposed to be. And in reality, it's like no. If Bienemy is the one that's actually running it, then he should be the one that's on TV when you're talking about it or when you're showing it. And it's it's those kinds of things that are made by the white person that's running and producing the the Super Bowl show that it's like, no, let's show Andy Reid. Now, more people know who Andy Reid is than Eric Bieniemy, but make Eric Bieniemy a star. Make him a star by showcasing him. It wasn't like when the Atlanta was um, in the Super Bowl, they weren't showing Kyle Shanahan and talking to him up about his offense. I think they cared way more about him than they did even Dan Quinn. Like, really, they acted like it was his team. But I don't, I don't think anyone, I don't think, I don't think they talked about Dan Quinn at all in that no. Super Bowl. And it's, and, and so, and so to me, it's like, that's, that's the whole point is that they have no problem talking up a Kyle Shanahan when he's a young, hot shot offensive coordinator, but Eric Bieniemy they don't even, talk, they don't even mention his name, let alone show him. And all they do is talk about Andy Reid. Now this, the narrative of Andy Reid finally won one was a beautiful narrative. And everyone that ever worked, played for him and worked for him was so happy that he won. And that's great. And it's not, I'm not suggesting they shouldn't have mentioned Andy Reid during the Super Bowl, but when they're on offense, at least acknowledge the fact that Eric Bieniemy is the, the 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 guy running that team. Right. You're saying give give more credit to the person who is actually doing more of the coordinating. Exactly. Well, in the, in in exactly just like you were saying, in the same way that they didn't focus on Dan Quinn when the Atlanta Falcons were on offense, they focused on Kyle Shanahan. Right. So when the when the Chiefs are on offense. It should have been the same exact thing, but it happened to be Eric Bieniemy. But because he's African American, and that's just my opinion, but I'm I think it's exactly that that Andy Reid was more interesting to the the people that were doing the decision making because people knew who Andy Reid was. They didn't know Eric Bieniemy, and they decided no, we're not going to show him. And that conscious decision or even subconscious decision um, ended up being racist, whether they meant to or not, because implicit bias is is a real thing. 
And so it's possible they weren't even thinking about that because Andy Reid is an offensive genius. So it's not the most far-fetched thing to show Andy Reid on off when they're doing offense. But the fact that he wasn't actually even calling the plays and he was just consulting with Bienemy a few times and otherwise it was all Bienemy, that's the kind of stuff that we need to get to the root of the problems in all different areas of the sport, not just let's hire Kaepernick. Like that hiring Kaepernick is a great thing, would be a great thing, but there's so many other asset, uh, um, um, facets to it, like hiring more GMs, hiring more scouts that are African American, hiring more uh, offensive coordinators, more quarterback coaches, more quarterbacks in the first place, um, getting more uh, head coaches in colleges, in high schools that are African American, all those kinds of things, because these coaching trees are very, very white. And so it's very hard to get into that boys club of a bunch of white coaches that have all this experience when you're not given a chance in the first place. Now, let me ask you a question, Counselor. Well, you, you, you sparked something where we were talking. Give me, uh, I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Three different changes during this offseason that would make you feel like the NFL is um, sincere in their uh, in their statements and that they they truly are interested in the Black Lives Matter movement and they truly are interested in making change within the NFL's culture. Three three moves that you would want to see happen in the, in between now and the end of the regular season, or the end of the the next season. So like in the next twelve months, the next calendar year. Well, I think the first thing is you get. Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed specifically, you know, Martellus and Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, some of these other, you know, some of the other guys that, you know, guys that have kneeled, Kenny Stills, you know, some of these guys that have put themselves out there and you bring them in and you have real conversations with them about what they want to see because Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed know firsthand the problems of the NFL better than I do, better than you do. And they're not being asked. They're not being talked to. You know, the, the Malcolm Jenkins and some others that have, that have tried to work with, with Jay-Z and, Richard, and, Roger, and Roger Goodell, um, that was leaving out some of the people that needed to be in the room most. You know, it's talking to, you know, people that are not even in football but have a pulse on what's going on. Some of these other leaders in this country and even some of these young people that are inspiring people to, to go out and march, talk to them, talk to the Know Your Rights campaign uh, know your rights camp people that Colin Kaepernick's working with, not just um, make token comments or make suggestions of, because you're right, Ray, saying that they were wrong is something that we haven't heard from them before. And we, we live in a world right now where people in power don't like to apologize um, in, in a crippling way. So if we can simply get people to bring them forward. Cause I don't want to hear from John Elway. I don't want to hear from Drew Brees. I want to hear from people that have been working with this from day one, have been trying from day one to get this changed, to get this fixed and talk to them. So the first thing is getting them on board to me. The, ne- the next steps after that is to not just come out with some horrible idea of, Hey, let's give extra draft picks to teams that hire African-Americans instead. Let's actually create with you know whether you want to talk to guys like Tony Dungy and, and others that have been coaches before, or whether you want to talk to um, players that are interested in coaching, but find out who out there that are at the high school, college, junior college, you know levels, 
find out who's out there that are former players that are interested in getting into coaching and every single African-American coach that's currently in the NFL and work with them to build their abilities to become head coaches, literally create environments where they can be um, kind of groomed to be head coaches, then do the exact same thing for general managers positions so that it's not where you know, a guy gets hired out of Harvard the way it's, it's happening in baseball where it's, you know, someone from, you know, Ivy League school that just thrown in that you start creating programs where, okay, fine, if you want to have some guy who crunches, crunches numbers perfectly that knows how to do the salary cap, great. Now let's facilitate that by getting people from all other walks of life to join those programs, create avenues for them to learn how to do that so that it's not just this old boys club that it's always been where it's just the guys we know instead it's let's go groom the people that we want to actually you know help that were part of this league that made this league so great because if someone like a larry fitzgerald wants to own a team someday because he's now making a lot of money or wants to be a general manager or wants to be a head coach or anything else like that he's one of the best human beings on the planet let alone one of the best football players to ever play so someone like that, how could you not open the door for someone like that? Now, if someone's been a, in the game for a, a season and a half and they have the same passion to do it, they should have the same kind of avenue to do that. So to me, those are the three things I would say is get Kaepernick, Eric Reed, and others on, you know, at the negotiating table of what do you want to see us do? What, do you, what needs to change in the NFL? How can we make those changes? Talk with them first and get their viewpoints and make them part of that conversation permanently. And then to me, the next thing is create pathways and avenues for head coaches and GMs to become African-American because they're taught by the best. They're taught by the people that know how to do the game and know how to teach the game and know how to run the game that they're given opportunities from start and from scratch the same way uh, Kyle Shanahan was because he happened to be sitting at the dinner table with, with Mike Shanahan. You know, it's like, not everyone's given that opportunity for every Steph Curry and Clay Thompson that has a, a father in the game. There's all other, you know, guys who just happen to be good at the sport. Give them opportunities to be able to succeed. Uh, that's awesome. Kind of sick. Well, I, I like, I like both those proposals. Raymond, what about you? What do you say to those proposals? And is there anything you can add uh, to what Candlestick will said he wants to see to generate change in the next 12 months with the NFL? Uh, I agree with everything Candlestick Will said, and I also would like to see them do something similar to Colin Kaepernick. You know, Colin Kaepernick, when he first protested, it was kind of more of a personal thing. You know, he wasn't necessarily doing it for attention. He wasn't necessarily trying to bring awareness. You know, he sat on the bench behind the players, and it wasn't until cameras and news crews started um, interviewing him that he started to become more aware of it. It was kind of a more of an ignorant thing. You know, he had the socks with the pigs on it. But then as time grew on and as it started to get national notoriety, he then educated himself, became more familiar with everything that what you know what what do i really want to say with what what do i really want to what do i really mean with this statement and he, he evolved his stance on that position evolved and improved and got more refined and more focused and then after that he put his money where his mouth was and so i think the nfl now that they've made a statement now you need to go and just like candlestick will met said meet with those individuals be um establish a honest coalition a starter relationship where you can where you can hear these people out and figure out what types of programs you want to implement to make improvements where they need to be made 
And then from that, you there also need money needs to you not just need to start donating money. You need to, now you need to fund those initiatives. Now you need to fund those programs, and you also need to support programs outside of that, like all of us do, like like normal citizens donate their time and money to, like all of the people who are protesting now have largely donated their time and money to the peaceful protesters, anyways. So we need to that all of that needs to follow too. So I don't necessarily know what those programs look like or which organizations are the best ones to donate to, but I do know that you know that's usually the that's usually the formula on how these things work, you know. And and the the good news is that the the way that the system is set up per the Constitution and our right to speak out, if you do if your protest is loud enough and strong enough, it usually incites change. We saw that happen in 1964 when we got rid of a bunch of laws that were unjust and and uh, unequal. And now we're seeing a, another form of that again, where we've had a large unifying mostly unifying movement and now we've seen to the point where it's changed and then i don't want to get too i don't want to get into the broader picture here but as far as the nfl is concerned the nfl has been impacted and the nfl has now reacted to it so now you've reacted to it like i said before now you got to follow through and i think candlestick will set a, a good framework for probably what i would like to see them do too which is you know you got to meet with people you got to talk with people you've got to mostly listen and then you've got to uh you got to join forces and you've got to do whatever it takes. Whether that, and then as far as hiring and stuff goes, I don't want Eric Bieniemy to get hired because of the color of his skin. I don't want him to get hired because he's good OC and he deserves to be a head coach. And usually in the NFL, the the best coordinators throughout the postseason and the Super Bowl typically get hired the next season. So you know, Eric Bieniemy is most likely going to get a job after at the end of the season. He's going to coach Patrick Mahomes for a third season, and after that, he's probably going to get hired. I, I guarantee it at this point. And I, I want it to be on the merits of his skill set because his, his skill set as an OC is unique because the offense that gets run out there is something that the NFL has never had before. The closest thing that I can think of was like the greatest show on turf. Um, the, the Saints offense is explosive at times. Um, Dan Marino, when he first got into the league, uh, the, it was a similar offense. It was explosive, but still not even close to the level of what we're seeing with the Patrick Mahomes wide receiver. That not only do they draft well, but these players get coached well, and that scheme is just outstanding. And it beat my goddamn team in the game that I didn't want them to lose into. But I gotta get, I gotta acknowledge, you know, what I saw. Beat the one of the best defenses of the last ten years, with only 15 minutes left to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's a nightmare I don't want to revisit. But um but but yeah, I think that's where you, that's what you do. You you start a coalition. You start a, a real you start a coalition with the people that that you shunned to begin with because you misunderstood what the message was. Now that you have seemingly put out a message that you were wrong in your interpretation, now we need to see them open that door. I'll tell you where I think the real tale of the tape's going to be and then and then we're going to we'll 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 run out of here. But uh I think the real tail of the tape is going to be when players start protesting again this season and Trump comes back out and bashes the NFL. How does the NFL handle that? How do they handle round two of the NFL versus Donald Trump? That is really going to be the tail of the tape. Well, I'd love to see them do something that, that Drew Brees did. You know, Drew Brees came out and obviously had a misguided interpretation of what the protest was. You can choose to see it however you want to. He's entitled to his initial opinion, and he's also entitled to his apology, and everyone's entitled to the criticism of Drew's Brees. But what Drew's Brees said when Trump tried to chime in and kind of 
come in to his to his side is he clapped back to the president and said like no that's not what it's about you're misinterpreting i misinterpreted i misinterpreted and i reconciled with that and i'm gonna now put action towards that and i believe drew Brees is going to follow through drew Brees is not the type of person that doesn't follow through on anything he's 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 going to follow through and i i i have no problem with drew Brees, you know apologizing and doing what he's got to do now to make things right going forward he's going to do that he's been a huge he's donated tons of money to new orleans and supported that that town uh, throughout his entire career when the the hurricanes and the, the, the all that stuff hit you know he helped everybody and anybody so there, there's not a there's not a dishonest or horrible bone in his body. He just had a very particular interpretation of what the protest meant. And when he gave that interview to Yahoo Sports, and it came out after the fact, and the criticism came back, he reevaluated because that was obviously juxtaposed with everything that was happening and didn't didn't line up. So he went back, just like Colin Kaepernick, you know, went back to improve his his interpretation of his protest. Drew Brees went back to interpret his opinion of the protest. And improved, and then the and the NFL has done the same thing, and the fact that they went back. So if here's what I, I get what you're saying, and I think that what what if the president does come out and criticize and stay and continue to be on the the stubborn side that he's on, if the NFL comes out and says something similar to into the vein that what Drew Brees said, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, that's going to be really that really is because I I find it. Uh... I have a hard I have a hard time believing that Donald Trump isn't going to come back out for round two during this regular season. And uh, I think what the NFL says and how they respond is going to be uh, huge. How many owners have we heard from? Because I think it's still zero, right? I think it's still zero. So, I mean, Roger Goodell works for the owners and the Jerry Joneses and the Robert Crafts and the Dan Snyders haven't said a damn thing. So... When we're talking about a president who calls these players that Neil sons of bitches and might be one of the worst human beings in existence, he he's not ever going to apologize. He doesn't know how to. He's, he refuses to. So the only thing he'll do is double down and call him sons of bitches again. So the NFL did absolutely nothing when he did it the first time. Will they do something? Will they say something when he does it the next time? Because he will. There's no way he won't. There's no way he won't. For sure. Especially during election season. Yeah, so what will the reaction be from Goodell? What will the reaction be from any of the 32 owners? And what will the reaction be where there's actually, is there going to be any action done after the fact? Like, will Roger Goodell who go, to a, go to the next game and kneel on the field with the players or will he just sit back and not say a word? Because they said less than nothing, and it was deafening the last time he said the players were sons of bitches who kneeled and that they should be kicked out of the league. And so that's the kind of thing that we're going to see is what will they do when it happens? Because there's no chance it won't. Yeah, I think it's I, – yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to happen. And when it, the, the first time it happened, the NFL was on the same side as they shared the same opinion and now that opinion's changed well we don't we don't know if it's changed from the 32 owners yet well we know that the the league the league has come out and said something and 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 i was telling rudy this um kind of said well i wonder if uh, would you agree with me i mean the so the video comes out on june 4th and then the commissioner comes out with the video on june 5th 
I think it's within reason to believe that some form of notice went out to all the 32 NFL owners that the league was going to make this statement within 24 hours. Right. So they do know, you know, they, they knew prior to that he was going to do this. Well, and here, here's another thing, too. These 32 billionaires who haven't said anything also, as far as I know, haven't come out and renounced what Goodell said. Yeah. So they, none of them have doubled down in a Jerry Jones style way where you know, clearly Jerry Jones supports the president. You know, he's one of the biggest Trump supporters of the in the NFL. Um, and so when they when the Cowboys ended up doing that thing where like the whole team like did the kneel, and you know, or, yeah. did, or they yeah or whatever, it was like okay, so they found a way to like do it as a team, so that made them feel better about themselves or whatever. It's like okay, fine, you know, whatever whatever you think is the right way to go, I guess. But um, but he clearly is on the side of of Trump, and most of the owners are. So yeah, the fact they haven't said anything looks terrible in my opinion but it also shows that they aren't they're not going the other way and going the extreme and being like no roger goodell's is wrong here we don't have anything to apologize for you know we still believe this is terrible like we haven't heard an owner say that either which is a good thing that's you know that's at least a point in that direction right so just just to try to be as optimistic or not as optimistic but just try to be as objective as I can. It's like well they haven't no, no one's come out and been like well I don't agree with Rod, what Roger Goodell said. Um so that might mean something the fact that they've just stayed silent because most billionaires don't say anything unless they're forced to. You know, most most people in power don't say anything until they're pushed. A lot of these mayors and governors out there in the world right now that are dealing with their cities, you know, having huge protests they have to say something. So they would have likely not said anything if they didn't have to, but now they're all forced to say something because you have to. NFL owners don't have to say anything at the moment because we don't have an NFL season yet. So they don't have a player kneeling on the field during a game yet. They don't have a, a, a player doing anything during a game yet. So, But they're going to, right? So when that happens, then they're going to be asked by reporters. Goodell, Goodell encouraged it in, right. in the video. He said, we encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. So I'm assuming that kneeling during a game is a part of that criteria. I mean, they'd be fools to think it wouldn't be. I'll tell you the thing that I would like to see um, to yes and everything that you guys have said, which I think have all been really great suggestions. I would like to see something very similar to what the NBA has done. So the NBA has already come out and said that they are going to uh, discuss as a league with players and coaches how they can be a force for positive change within all the cities that their teams are represented in and um, donating and contributing to organizations within those communities that are helping to promote education and protection in support of or, you know, in roundabout Black Lives Matter. So I would love to see the NFL do something like that, saying something similar. We are going to put together a, a thirty. You know, there's thirty-two teams in the NFL. We're going to put together a, a you know, a a coalition that goes and supports the thirty-two communities that these teams are part of. I mean, Lord knows that some of these owners don't have a problem uh, forcing these communities to pay for a billion-dollar stadium and only to leave twenty years later, you know, or fifteen years later, and stick them with hundreds of million-dollar bills. They got no problem doing that. So it'd be really nice to see the NFL do something to that extent. I, that's the thing I would personally like to see. Uh, is is them do something like that. Uh, you know, the 
I'm 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 not of the I'm not of the you know um, I'm going to talk about one player the the uh, the main guy Colin Kaepernick I'm not necessarily like Colin Kaepernick needs a job um, it would be great to see him if he did I would be really happy to see if if Kaepernick was just appointed some kind of position in the league kind of to yes and you kind of so well like he's appointed to some position where he's helping speaking out and raising awareness for Black Lives Matter. That'd be awesome. That's what they did with, uh, what's his name, from the Ravens that got, uh, that lost his job of, of, for hitting his wife in the elevator. Um, what's it? Ray Rice. Ray Rice. So Ray Rice now goes around and, like, talk and works for the NFL, I believe, and goes and talks to players about, like, don't do this stupid shit because you're going to end up like me. You know, like, and he, like, does that. It'd be nice to see Cap put on some type of a board you know, like you said, like, like does he need a job? I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, he's also been away from the NFL for a long time. I mean, you know, I guess if you can give Alden Smith a sh- shot, you could give Colin Kaepernick a shot, right? Like, I don't even know if Alden Smith's even going to – oh, sorry. I don't even know if Alden Smith's going to even play a down and be in any way, shape, or form what he was before. And, I, you know, I know Cap's in great shape, but there's great shape and there's football shape, and they're not the same. And that's kind of a whole different subject for another day. But it'd be great to see him involved – in some type of organizational approach. Like he's already shown a tremendous resolve and leadership in his own organizations and fundraising opportunities, sending over a million dollars, a ton of, I believe it was food to Africa. And um, it would be great to see Cap brought in for his activism and if he could be spearheading and somehow the face of activism for the NFL. I, I would rather see that than him back on the field any day of the week. Like I think, because he could do that job for the next 10, 15, 20 years, and that's 10 times more impactful than seeing if he can play and you know whether or not he starts and he's here for one more two seasons. That to me would be the greatest thing for Cap. The greatest ending to Cap's story is to have him is to be. Well, I would, I would say I would say it's considering that uh, Michael Vick played in the NFL after going to jail and the point. fact that. The only the only reason Ray Rice didn't get a job was because he was over thirty, and the NFL is a, it doesn't hire old running backs anymore unless you're Frank Gore. Um, that this is a league that still, if you beat your wife, you can find a job in on thirty two clubs. Um, if you stand up for human rights, you get banished from the league. So that's the reputation this league has. And as much as Kaepernick needs to be a voice in the league. He needs to play, um, and and uh, when I say need, I'm not s- suggesting that some team just give him a token job just to just to get people to stop talking about it. Kaepernick wants to play, and he's better than some of the quarterbacks in the league. So there's no reason a team shouldn't bring him in because there are some teams with terrible quarterbacks on their roster, and he could absolutely take their jobs. And they have chosen not to want him on their teams because of what they think he'll bring to the team that would somehow be negative when he's actually been been one of the most um, consistent players in the league as far as what he's said and done the last five years. And yet people are more willing to give Alden Smith a fifth chance, give other players you know a second, third chance who do terrible things to human beings. All Kaepernick is doing is trying to raise awareness about the police brutality and the mistreatment of African Americans in this country, which has been going on for over 400 years, and we've chosen to allow it to happen regardless of our feelings about it because it's still happening. So not enough people have risen up to stop it from happening. It seems like in the last two weeks that maybe finally we're getting to a place where we're going to start that 
uh, finally being over. So um, in the meantime, just for me, I want to see Kaepernick throw a ball to somebody that counts. So that's what I want to ask you. I know I keep saying we're going to wrap up. We're, we're, just, we're having a great conversation here. Uh, I want to ask you, what, what message does that send for you as a fan, as a sports fan, that beyond, like I'm saying, I would love to see him do this, this like a social activism job of some sort with the NFL. And you're like, I want to see him throw a football. What, and I'm, I'm asking genuinely, what message do you think that sends um, that's so important? And why do people need to hear that message? Because if he doesn't ever play again, no matter what he does with the NFL, it'll say that the NFL decided they just never wanted him back. Because of what he stood for. Because of what he stood for. And to me, that will be more powerful and ugly on, and a black mark on the league the same way baseball has black marks of, you know, shoeless Joe Jackson and Pete Rose and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and others. This, if Colin Kaepernick never plays another down, this will be the NFL, one of the NFL's darkest chapters is that they took a guy who was, you know, playing good football, especially when healthy, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions the last year that he played. He was a guy who led his team to a fucking Super Bowl. And you can't bring him in, but you can bring in guys who were third string guys, you know, in college and give them backup jobs in the league. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty um, obvious that teams have just chosen to go with lesser quarterbacks on purpose, which makes no sense because most teams should be trying to win games. And Colin Kaepernick can help you win games more than some of the guys in the league. Some of the starting quarterbacks in the league are not as good as Colin Kaepernick. And if he doesn't get a job, no matter what the NFL does with Colin Kaepernick from this point forward, we'll always remember the fact that he never got another job. You know, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf and Craig Hodges are two examples in the NBA of guys who were blackballed from the league for their religious opinions and religious beliefs. This will be uh, the same exact kind of a thing where because of something that he stood for, he's done, he's out. And... We've seen it time and time again that there's a talent tolerance in sports that, you know, Michael Vick can still throw a football. Cool. I don't care that you were in jail. You're good enough to play for us. Come on, you know, come to Philadelphia and play quarterback for us. If, you know, you're Greg Hardy and you are a horrible human being off the field, as long as we think you can sack the quarterback, you can come play for us, Dallas, you know, in in Dallas. So it's like there's always been a talent tolerance. And that's what the disconnect here is, is that he has the talent to play and they're choosing not to let him play. And that's the definition of being blackballed. And so if he doesn't ever play, it'll show that the NFL was never serious enough. And part of it needs to be someone like Roger Goodell going to these owners and saying, you know damn well he's good enough to play. Someone out there give him a job and and push for it because the fact that these owners don't want to be the one that picks him because they think there's going to be some kind of backlash from the racist community. It's like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't care what those racists think. You should care what the people that actually care about other human beings think. And if you're going to think you're going to lose some fans, let them go because you're going to gain other fans. And ultimately that's the only way we're going to see change because if he's out there doing work behind the scenes, that'll just be another reminder that someone like Colin Kaepernick is not allowed to be the face of a team. And we're seeing that with guys like Cam Newton, 
who should be a starting quarterback for someone and right now has a, doesn't have a job. And I think 100% it's because he's African-American. Because if he had that resume and was white, he would have had a job in the, in the offseason in two seconds. But because he's African-American, whenever he would celebrate after a touchdown, people took offense to it instead of saying, oh, that's just him showing his spirit. Right. It was, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's acting a fool. It's like he's handing footballs to young kids. How is that a problem? Right. But it's people like to change the narrative when they're African-American. So with Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick and others that should be starting quarterbacks in the NFL, the fact that they aren't says a lot about this league. And it says that no matter what they say in a, in an interview, no matter what they say about, Hey, we made mistakes. If you don't actually hire people, for these jobs, if you don't actually include them in the process, you're just proving their point. And to me, that's what it's, that's what it talks. That's, that's what it comes down to. I think that's a really good point. It, it's easy to, I think it's easy to make knocks at each individual player. Oh, well, Cam was injured. Well, Cap's been out of the league for a long time. But then when you compare them to the talent pool that is being given chances, it's really right. hard to argue that they should be out of the league. It's almost impossible. Well, and, and, you know, you keep, keep it something simple, right? You know, if someone doesn't make the Pro Bowl that you think should make the Pro Bowl and he's a favorite player of yours on your team. So, for, you know, you got, I mean, is there a 49er that didn't make the Pro Bowl this year that should have, in your opinion? Jimmy G didn't, did he, Ray? He did not. So, you know, if you're, if you're arguing, so, okay, so if you're arguing for Jimmy Garoppolo should have been in the Pro Bowl, well, you better give me a quarterback he, he should be, you know, that shouldn't be there then. You know, who, who was he better than that made the Pro Bowl? Because, I mean, that's part of the conversation. So, you know, it's like we can we don't have to go down the list right now, but it's like you can make a list of quarterbacks that have starting jobs in the NFL that are not as good as Cam Newton, that are not as good as Colin Kaepernick. But that's my point, is that because that there is a list you can make of quarterbacks out there that are not as good as them, the fact that they don't have jobs and these other quarterbacks do is the point. If if Colin Kaepernick was not as good as some of these guys, then it wouldn't be you know. Then it's like okay, well then maybe he could be a backup somewhere, whatever. But it's like there are legitimately starting quarterbacks in this league who are not as good as as guys like Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick, or Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater, <laughs> um, and some of these other quarterbacks that absolutely should be you know leaders of a franchise, and teams have have been reluctant to bring them in, and. It's it goes back to the the same racism of we don't think they can be leaders, and all we've seen from Colin Kaepernick since he's left the game is he's one of the best leaders of the community we've seen in the world. I mean, this is a guy who might end up with a, a medal of freedom in his life because of what he's done off the field. So the idea that he couldn't lead a football team is kind of pathetic to th- think that's a real thing, because. He's also proven that he can take a team to the Super Bowl. And if you hand the ball off to Frank Gore, he would have had a Super Bowl ring. So you're talking about a guy who, and then, you know, you're a couple of inches from a Richard Sherman finger from getting to another Super Bowl. You know, so it's like, here, here, this is one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade not being allowed to be a, to be a, to be a player in this league right now. Cam Newton's one of the best players of the last decade at his position doesn't have a job right now. And yeah, he has some injuries, but so does half the, the, the league full of quarterbacks, right? Ben Roethlisberger can't even stand up straight. And you're telling me that the Steelers couldn't use Cam Newton or, um, or Colin Kaepernick right now, because how could you possibly trust that he'll stay healthy? You know, I mean, there's plenty of teams out there that have lesser quarterbacks starting right, starting for them right now. 
And that's to me, that's the whole point is that it's the lack of opportunity that has always been the problem. And what Kaep- what Kaepernick and others are pro- protesting is the lack of accountability for mistakes that are being made from the police, mistakes that are being made from, from others in the community where they're not punishing people that deserve to be punished for crimes that they commit, right? So it's the same idea. It's the lack of accountability. It's the lack of opportunity. We start giving people opportunities to succeed. We start making uh, people accountable for their mistakes and making accountable for their, um, for their crimes. We'll start seeing some real change. And until then, we're not going to see much, much anything change at all. Raymond, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on on uh, on on cap playing again? Do you do you feel agree with that too? That it sends that that uh, that same uh, that same message that 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 if we that him playing again is a sign that uh, or him not playing again is a sign that they do care more. Of, you know, they they are willing to give chances to people who beat their wives, but not necessarily someone who stands up for Black Lives Matter. I think for some people, they're going to be. They're, they're not going to be happy one way or another. I think some people are going to be like, hey, this is too late. You know, you should have done this years ago. But and, and I get that, that there's some people that are just never going to be satisfied. But, you know, to me, it's better than nothing. It's better than doing than doing the than continuing to do what was the wrong thing, which was mis- misinterpreting uh, a, a protest for the right reasons, regardless of whether you agreed with the method or not. So to me, going forward, yeah, you do because he can still play. I understand that, you know, I get that, you know, Colin Kaepernick should get a job even before Cam Newton does because Colin Kaepernick didn't have, you know, reconstructive surgery on his throwing arm the way Cam Newton did. And I get that that's a big one. And that's something that obviously some teams are going to be looking at. Um, But I think Colin Kaepernick is in peak physical condition. There was nothing physically wrong with Kaepernick when he left the league. He just didn't fit Kyle Shanahan's scheme and they allowed him to go uh, on his own, um, on his own admission they're like you can go test a free agent market if you don't want it, if you don't want to conform to this scheme um, and learn how to quarterback in this way then you're free to test a free agent market which is what they ultimately decided to do so i think going forward yeah you give him a shot because there's plenty of teams that could use the services i mean uh, colin kaepernick's play styles in vogue now you know it's it's now a preferred method of of quarterback play you know jimmy g is is the old school way of playing quarterback now you know jimmy g's method is not the way you play quarterback now that's that's the old school way which is what he was criticized for at the time for not playing like a jimmy g right tom brady uh drew Brees, all those guys those are old school you know people they they want the you know the now the the hybrid style is is in vogue, you know the the Pat, Patrick Mahomes who th- he throws more, but you know the the Patrick Mahomes style, the Russell Wilson style, the the Lamar Jackson style. So especially the the type of you know, Colin didn't shift the way Lamar Jackson did, but he was just as fast, if not faster, than Lamar Jackson. He was obviously a gazelle when he got out into the open field. So you know that with a rocket of an arm you know it's more than you can ask for with the league all, all it is and then you just leave the rest up to coaching all, all of the other refinements outside of the the pure raw talent so they're doing the same thing with lamar jackson and lamar jackson i don't think lamar jackson's even half as good a thrower as colin kaepernick is i think lamar jackson's not all that great of a passer in my opinion he, he runs way more than he passes but so to me when i compared like because that's like the, the 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 youngest newest best player in the league that's the closest comparison to colin, colin kaepernick in my opinion also with harbaugh also with greg roman 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think uh, I think that that's something that can. Did Greg Roman get a head coaching job? I think he stayed. I think he chose to stay. I don't know. I think he stayed with the Ravens. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think he he needs to get hired. I'd be curious to see which team picks him up if he gets picked up at all. I think not picking him up and continuing to do this is a bad move. I think you do it in the same formal way that you do anybody else. You just give him a call. Someone give him a call and invite him over. Have him do a workout. Do a physical. Don't do this weird, that weird dumbass thing, and no one can record it. And it was right the weird audition thing that, that just doesn't work do it in the formal way that you do every other player that you want to bring in and have have him get a shot so um whether they do that or not remains to be seen it's kind of a wait and see thing you know do because hi- hiring him as like some kind of advocate it's like good but it's also like it's like a consolation prize yeah that's a good point you know it's not it's not what it's not what he wanted you know, like he doesn't want that today. I mean, he, he wants to do both. You know, he wants to be an advocate for his community, but he also wants to play in the NFL and play the sport that he loves because he's still out there. He's still training. Well, and, and he's pro- and he's proven he can do both, you know. And and so I, I but I think my biggest thing is that he wants to play. So denying him the opportunity is the whole thing that they've been doing for four years. Yeah. Right, and it was and it was based on the fact that they were not fans of the protest. Now you're a fan of the protest, or at least you've said that in a public statement this past this past week. So now that changes that changes the optics on why you were not interested in Colin Kaepernick in the first place because you felt that he was a threat to the bottom line. Well, now you're embracing the the message that you thought was a threat to the bottom line. So now everything shifts. So now you do have to reconcile that. Well, situation. and to me, one and to me, one of the things that that Goodell left out that would have been so much more powerful is if he had literally said, "And I also want to apologize to Colin." Kaepernick. Yeah, a lot of people said that. Too. If he if he right. had, if he had said his name and said specifically, "I want to apologize to Colin Kaepernick for not being more supportive of what he was f- fighting for and helping him." Make you know helping the league and the fans of the league, um, and the people that care about this game understand that what he was doing was for police brutality. It had nothing to do with disrespecting the flag. It had everything to do with trying to bring awareness to something that was that was awful and abhorrent. And if he had done that, it would have meant so much more to me. But like we're all saying, and and we'll see, is that if there's action behind those words, then. We'll we'll find out soon enough. The fact that he didn't include Kaepernick specifically in those comments to me suggests that they're not actually doing all that they can do yet. Because I don't know if they are actually looking at Kaepernick as one of the things they plan on doing is trying to get him back in the league. Um, if they're if I'm wrong and they do that, then that's going to be a huge step in the right direction. If he never plays again, though, it will always go down as this the league blackballed him and that. Well, that'll never go away. That'll always be a thing that the NFL did, um, and yeah, and they'll they'll still have blackballed him for four years, regardless of what happens this season. But it's and just like so, just like you said, Ray, it might be not you know that's not good enough for some people. Okay, but doing the right thing is always the right thing to do, no matter what. So no matter how much wrong you've done, there's always opportunity to do the right thing today. And every day is an opportunity to try to do the right thing. So today is another opportunity for the NFL to try to do the right thing. They've done the wrong thing for several years now. Will they do the right thing? We'll find out. We will. 
All right, guys, we're, we got to run, but yes or no? Here's the question of questions. Ray, I'm going to start with you. Yes or no? Colin Kaepernick's on a roster by the beginning of the season. I'm going to say yes. Candlestick will. Yes or no? I hope so, but I would if I'm if I'm betting, I say not a, not a chance. Wow, zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. Yeah, if I'm if I'm putting my money down, I'm saying zero percent chance. But I'm also hopeful as all hell that I'm wrong. Awesome. All right. So then, what say you, uh, Goldcast Empire? Do you believe Colin Kaepernick will be on an NFL roster by September? And what do you think? Are the one to two to three things the NFL can do? NFL can do in the next twelve months to prove that they are actually behind Roger Goodell's statement and in support of Black Lives Matter. Let us know in the comments. You can go to at the underscore Goldcast, or you can go to YouTube.com/slash/TheGoldcast and let us know. You can also reach out to all of us individually to express your opinions on this and how the NFL has handled the Black Lives Matter movement. We will be back. Later in the week with our top 11s villains tournament, we are continuing to do that. We wanted to just kind of allow uh, the Black Lives Matter movement to occur. And obviously we stood in solidarity with them and went on a podcast, uh, a social media blackout for our show. But we are back and um, we're here. So we are going to continue and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as we navigate these compromising times. Uh, so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis the Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the First, baby, and our esteemed co-host, Candle Stick Will. Wait for it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go like horizontal or something. Or go up. I'll, I'll go up, and then you go horizontal. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, this is the gold cast. <laughs>